Hi, welcome to Diving Into Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling, and I am a little sick, you guys. Got a little something, something going on. Um, Hopefully, though, by the time you listen to this, I'll be perfectly fine. Back to full health. Um, I hate being sick, though. Like, you know, like when you can feel it coming on and you're like, no, because... I just don't want to slow down. Like if I want to slow down, I want to slow down because I've chosen to slow down. Not because my body is just like, girl, we're not going to keep up with you. You're just going to have to slow down (laughs) because I got things to do, people. So uh, don't worry. You can't catch anything because, you know, you're just listening and we're not in proximity to each other. So no worries there. Uh, I did struggle to get, I was kind of in a fog yesterday when I was trying to work on the podcast and I was like, I don't know if that's going to happen this week. And, um, but God came through and, and, uh, had a little moment with him where I was like, I'm not, a, I don't know how this is going to go. And then of course he's like, did you ask me what the topic should be? And I was like, uh, maybe not. And so what I have to talk to you about today, it's a, it's close to my heart. And you know, when you're not feeling great, you're a little bit more emotional. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I got my Kleenex handy. But uh, to start off though, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever surprised yourself with recognizing something about yourself? Like, I don't know. Okay, here's the situation. This is what happened. So we were driving to dinner the other night with our whole family to celebrate all of our birthdays. My kids were in town for a wedding. And so we can't all be together on all of our birthdays. All of our birthdays go from September to December. Um, that includes my son-in-law. Like it's it's a lot of birthdays. October we have a birthday like every every week. <laughs> so it's just obviously we can't get together that much. And so it's a little hard for me because I don't know, like Paul is not like this, but personally, I'm like, you celebrate your birthday on your birthday. Like that's just really important to me. And like, that doesn't always happen. That's not reality. And Paul's like, hey, as long as it's in the vicinity, you know, of your birthday, it should be fine. But I don't know. I feel like when kids are younger, like it's super important to them. Obviously, I'm not younger anymore and it's still important to me. I don't know. (laughs) So I'm like, oh man, I want to be with everyone on their actual day of their birth. And that doesn't always happen. So anyways, we're driving to go to dinner and um, we drive by this church and on the side of the building in huge letters, it says hope. Now, hope is the name of our church. But the letters looked like really similar to our our letters. And this was my first thought. I was like, they can't do that. <laughs> that's that's our church's that, that's what our church looks like. Now, here's the thing. That church, their name is not even hope. It's something else. I don't even know what it is, but it's not hope. And so it wasn't even like I don't know why I was like that, because it wasn't even their name. It's not like they were copying us. It's not in the same town as us. And I'm sure they had it up there. Maybe it went along with the sermon series. Maybe they just want people to know like there's hope in Jesus, which would make sense, right? That's what a normal person would think. Um, 
but that's not what I thought. (laughs) That was not my first thought. Just being real with you, being honest. And I thought to myself, like after I had that thought, like I had like this, it's not an outer body experience because not like that. But you know, I mean, like where you've thought something and you kind of just sit back and you're like, oh my goodness, like I just thought that. And I thought to myself, I think I'm kind of a territorial person. And so I said it out loud to my family because we were just real in our family. I was like, I think I might be a little territorial. And my family's reaction, I thought they were going to be like, what do you mean? You know, like, but that was not their reaction. Their reaction was like, you think? You think you might be territorial about stuff? Um, We know you're territorial about stuff. And I don't know. I just thought they would be. And they were dumbfounded that I actually didn't know that about myself. They were like, I can't believe you don't know this about yourself. And I even mentioned it to some friends thinking I'd get the same reaction of like, what? And they were like, uh, they had, they said the exact, same exact words. They're like, you think? You think you're territorial, Erin? Um, yeah, you are. <laughs> My daughter did make me feel a little bit better about it, though, because she was like, Mom, territorial doesn't always mean a bad thing. Like, territorial could mean, like, you're territorial about your family and your friends and, like, things that are important to you. So she's like, I don't see it in a negative way with you, which, thank you, Liz, for thinking better of me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in, in that moment, like, Obviously, it was not a good territorial because, like, I don't own the rights to the word hope. (laughs) And it's obviously very silly to think that um, no one else can use the same font as us at our church, on our building. And like I said, we're not even in the same town. But it did kind of make me reflect on um, past incidents that I felt a little territorial about. And... I did start to check my heart because I'm like, why would that be my first thought? Why would I think like, why do they have that? And so, you know, we, we talk about like scriptures that talk about, you know, whatever you speak, that's what's in your heart. Well, I think like our, also how we act, you know, it's what's in our heart. And so, um, recently we got to, um, celebrate, I just said we had a wedding. So it was Caitlin who was on our podcast, my podcast a while back, episode like 87. If you want to listen to it, it's great. Um, But her and her new husband, Corey, uh, last weekend got married. And first of all, I just want to say I was so excited about this wedding because I had saved up my dance moves, um, which pretty much consists of like one move. Like I don't have like a ton of dance moves. Actually, I've been doing this workout where they you know, kind of dance or whatever. And I keep thinking, oh, I need to remember this for the wedding. Do you think I remembered one of those dance moves? No, because you get out there and you just have fun. Like you just look stupid and you have fun. I totally love watching people who actually know how to dance. And my daughter, Liz, she does know how to dance. And so I just follow her actions, (laughs) whatever she does. I just do it. And so, and what was great, for like Paul and I, because Sunday is such a big day for us. Like when people have their wedding on Friday night, it's awesome because we just could dance the night away. 
if you count 1045 as dancing the night away. Like for older people, 1045 is like 3 a.m. to young people, if you consider that late. But anyways, it felt really late actually. <laughs> but all my kids were there, so it was so much fun to get out there and all of us dance together. And Paul and I had the privilege of marrying them. For that, for that means like Paul actually officiates. Um, I do fill in the marriage license though. So I kind of, no, whatever. But um, anyways, but my part is like lining everyone up in the back, making sure everyone gets down the aisle, you know, um, all of those things, grandparents, parents, and all that stuff. And uh, it was really special actually because Corey, the groom, um, he his mom was crying and then he was crying and I got to hug him and he just like buried his head in my shoulder and it was so sweet like it was just the most precious moment like my best moment with a groom ever that I've had we've done 51 weddings and literally that was probably the best moment um as that I got to be a part of was just seeing his emotion and how much he loved Caitlin and I love seeing a groom cry like there's nothing better than that and so when guys like lose it I love it because they just think it shows um not that if you don't cry you're not showing your love or anything like that but it's just I don't know it's it's pretty cool but um so here's where the territorial part came in um there was a lady who worked at the event place and I mean obviously I think a lot of like event places if it's not at a church you know, there's someone who's like in charge and obviously making sure everything goes well. And so she was kind of taking my job. And so the little territorial part of me, and listen, she was very nice. She was a very nice girl. Um, but I felt like she was trying to do my job. And <laughs> so there was a moment, you know, where the bride is about to go down and she had her train. And so territorial Aaron came out a little bit and as Caitlin is like a daughter to me so I was like oh no this girl is not gonna do the train this is my job this is what I do and I'm just being real with you guys this is this is the side of me that's probably not great but I was like I'm not about to let some woman who doesn't know Caitlin do her dress this is my job here's what happened though like I went to take the train I was like oh I'll take that I said it very nicely and um, she was like, okay. And then Caitlin's dress got stuck on the girl's button. She had buttons on her skirt. And so there was a moment of panic. And she's like, oh. And I was like, honey, we ain't got time for this. So I just kind of yanked it. It was just a little string. Like, it's not like her dress was going to unravel or anything like that. And I was thinking, you know, that little saying, like, they have it for audios of clips for your phone or Instagram, or TikTok, or whatever, and it's like, nobody's gonna know, yeah, that's exactly what I was like, nobody's gonna know that we just ripped Caitlyn's dress off of <laughs> this girl's button, anyways, Caitlyn probably doesn't even know that, but um, now you all know, so now she'll know if she listens, and her mom, but um, anyways, but in that moment, I feel like being a little territorial was okay, because it wasn't coming from a yucky place in my heart it was just a special moment and um yeah I was kindly territorial is that a thing kindly territorial 
I'm not sure the lady would feel the same. She did. She didn't seem like she. I think she realized like that was kind of what I did. But um. So, anyways, now that I know that I'm like a territorial person, which seems to not be a surprise to anyone who knows me, um, yeah, I will have to be a little bit more in check with my heart. Uh, like, where is this coming from? Is this a good territorial or a bad territorial? Because apparently I have both sides of me. Um, also, recently, territorial kind of played into um, a church situation as we go into the um, theme of this podcast. But we recently had a band come to our church to lead worship and and speak. And it was so weird because, you know, Sunday mornings, you know, we go early. Uh, we have practice. We have our um, production meeting. We have services, you know, and everything. And you just kind of have your groove. You have your thing that you do. And so I got to sleep in a little bit, which was weird. Um, I actually felt like I was late. I was like, I should be at church. I shouldn't be home. And um, so I got to church and it was just like I was in the back. I I wasn't in the front um, doing my thing. You know, not about being in the front, but just the things that I normally do. I walked in and the guy was standing behind my keyboard. And yes, I felt territorial about it. I am very territorial about I'm just a territorial person, you guys. <laughs> about my keyboard when people touch it I have this little thing in me that's like why are you touching my keyboard and obviously he was part of the worship team they were going to use our our keep my keyboard our keyboard whatever and um yeah so that that was a bit of a moment I was like and then I was like where are my my um earbuds you know like that's how I listen and know what's going on and the guy was like oh we all tried them and I was at first I was looked at him like um you better not have stuck those in your ears because I will certainly get some new ones from Amazon but it was a joke um definitely territorial about my earbuds as we all should be nobody wants somebody else's earwax on their earbuds um but anyways earbuds earbuds whatever but um also, maybe a little territorial about worship, not for other people's church, okay? But like our church, like we have a certain way that we do worship. Um, I'm very passionate about the way that we do worship. It's kind of my thing, and um, I don't know. Like I've they they set us sent us their set list, and I don't know how your church is, but I've noticed this trend with worship right now, like. Everyone has in their set list all these slow songs. There's like no praise songs. They start off with a slow song. They end with a slow song. There's maybe a little bit medium, you know, kind of in the middle, maybe. But um, I don't know. It's just like we're we're not doing a lot of praising. And it's interesting because I even started following this um, like worship leader kind of thing on Instagram and last Sunday they were like hey post your set list and I was like man I want to see what people did for their set list for Sunday and out of 80 like something comments 10 of them maybe I don't even know if it was 10 maybe 7 uh 7 to 10 we'll go with that had a praise song in there 
they all started off with like a slow song and then they ended with a slow song. There was no praise in there at all. And I'm just like, where's the praise? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Kara kind of said it best. We were talking about it the other day. And she said, it seems like we're going to a funeral when all we have is slow songs, which is true. Like, I don't know, it kind of would put me to sleep if all of our songs were slow. There's just something about praise, you know, clapping and just rejoicing. And I don't know, that that gets gets it going. And then, of course, like I have nothing against slow songs at all. But when the whole set is slow songs, like I don't feel like I got my praise on. And y'all, I need my praise. I need to get my praise on with my brothers and sisters. And anyways, and also, if you think it's just my opinion, the Bible talks a lot. Just look, just type in Google or whatever, um, you know, praise and worship. And if you put it in, you're going to get all these things talking about, scriptures talking about the importance of entering his courts with praise. So you can look it up. Um. So anyways, we had him switch out the the first song because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do a whole set of slow songs. <laughs> Again, I know I'm a little picky about worship. I will say though, despite my pickiness, I do know how to set aside my pickiness and just fully enter in and meet with God. Um, But there was so much, like there was so many opportunities to kind of just like, I don't know, just sit in the song, if you will. Um, and then like they would move on to the next song, which that's how they lead worship. That's fine. But by the time worship was done, there was a lot built up in me personally. <laughs> I was like about to explode. And I'm like, so I had to make an announcement and it took me a while to get to the announcement because I was like, okay, guys, let's talk about worship for a second because we sang, um, the last song we sang was uh, Good, Good Father, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And it's a song that personally gets me like every time because I just feel like it sums up my relationship with, with God. I've known him as a father since I was a young kid. It's one of my favorite things about him is that he's just a awesome and he is a good, good father. We just sang a song at church um, God is on the throne and one of the lines in it says he loves like a father should and it it like I want to bawl every time I sing that line and the same thing with the song good good father it just makes me want to bawl my eyes out because I just love him so much and he's just such a good father and um so as we're singing that song I just kind of envisioned I'm sure you've seen this picture and I, I explained it wrong when I said it at church because I hadn't seen the picture at the scene for a while and someone sent it to me. It was a little different than what I explained, but now I got it right. But it was Jesus holding like this huge teddy bear behind his back. And then he's across from this little girl holding this little teddy bear. And God is saying like, just trust me. And the little girl is saying, but I love it, God. I'll, I'll post the picture on my Instagram if you want to visually see it because I think it's very profound to actually see it. Um, but that picture reminds me of how God has asked for things in my life and I have struggled to give them to him. 
and I have struggled to trust him. And yet he's such a good father and he has something so much better for us than what we're giving up. Uh, when our kids were babies, we dedicated them to God. I've, I've talked about that before, but at the time it seems so easy to do. Um, you know, like the pastor would ask us if we understood, um, that our children were on loan to us and that we were to raise them and teach them about God and his ways and to walk out that in our lives as well, not to just teach our children those things, but we were committing that we were going to, you know, love God and walk in a way that was pleasing to him and all of those things. And in that moment, like you look at this little baby, you're like holding this baby. It's such a special moment. And it's so easy in that moment to commit to that. It's it's not hard in that moment because, I mean, the most you've dealt with is a crying baby, a baby who, you know, has peed and pooed and thrown up maybe and <laughs> all those kinds of things. Like that, that's pretty much where you're at when you make that commitment. But then that little baby starts to grow up. <laughs> And that commitment is put to the test. And um, I have given them to God knowing that he has such good things for them and so much better than what I have for them or could give them. But there are many times, if I'm being honest, I get scared and I lose that trust And I pick them back up and I put them back under my care instead of his. It's like, I feel like it's like this exchange that I do with God quite often where it's like, okay, I'll, I'll give you the little teddy bear for the big teddy bear. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. I don't trust this. Can I have it back? Like, and who would do that? Right. That does, that makes no sense. Like, why would you trade that tiny teddy bear for this huge, wonderful teddy bear and then be like, "Mm, I don't trust this. Can I have it back? But in reality, I know that I've done that. I don't know, but if anybody can, you know, relate to what I'm saying at all. (laughs) Um, There's a a particular situation that um, I've been struggling with with one of my kids And God has asked me so many times to trust him. And I do for a bit. I'm really good at giving, doing the exchange. And then, like I said, I become that Indian giver. And I'm like, "Mm, let's exchange back. (laughs) I, I, I think because obviously when we exchange, when I exchange that with the Lord, I, I'm like, okay, he's got this. And then I think a lot of times like maybe I don't see him moving the way I want him to or he is not dealing with the situation the way that I want him to or I'm not seeing like a change right away. And so all of a sudden it's like I panic and I think, oh, maybe I can do this better, which is ridiculous and yet I do it all the time. (laughs) It's such a vicious cycle for me and I'm like, oh, I'll lay it down. Oh, I'll take it back again. And so I've shared this very openly with our church. And um, 
on Monday, I got a text from my friend Danielle and she said, hey, I read this verse and I thought of you because you often talk about giving things to God and then taking them back. <laughs> and it's in Psalm 118, 27. And this is what it says. It says, the Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. And I read it and I thought, oh, well, the way it's pertaining to my situation, I texted her back and was like, so um, if it's one of my kids, do I tie them to the altar? Like, LOL, you know, like it's kind of funny. It was a joke. But then I heard the Lord say, man, he gets us sometimes, doesn't he? And he was like, you wouldn't be the first. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he brought to me this story, this account in Genesis 22. And I'm going to read it because I just feel like, I don't know. I love the scripture and I want to read it. And it's uh, in Genesis 22. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice them, him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkeys, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went out on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said, and do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Ugh, I don't know what gets me. And there was three parts that really stuck out to me in this passage of scripture. The part where it says, take your son, your only son whom you love. God asked for the nearest thing to Abraham's heart, his son, his prized possession, his legacy. It was God's greatest ask of Abraham. What, what does God ask you to sacrifice? And do you, I think for me, like in this situation with one of my kids, I have really questioned like, God, do you know? how much of a sacrifice this is like me giving this child to you do you realize how much here comes the tears 
which is not helpful when you have a stuffy nose, you guys. But I don't know, it's been a question in my heart. Like, do you know how much this means to me? And I read this and I was just like, okay, God knows. I don't know if there's something in your life that you've thought of, you've, God is asking for. And maybe you've asked the same question that I have. Like, God, do you really know how difficult this is? And right there, I, see, that's what I love about scripture, you guys. It's like God answers the questions like, that was a question in my heart. And then I read scripture and I got the answer. Like, he knows because it's so clear here. Take your son, your only son whom you love. Like, God's saying, hey, take that thing. Take that person. Take that situation. And I know how much it means to you. Like, I get it. Like, God gets it. I don't know. For me, that just brought a lot of comfort to my heart. Because, like, okay. To know that God knows how much it means to us, I think it can lead us to the next part. See, there was something in Abraham that said, like, God understands. That line right there had to say to Abraham, God knows how important this boy is to me. Because I think understanding that God is aware of the importance of it in our heart when he's asking for it can help us to trust. And actually there was a a thing in there that I read this time that I didn't even pay attention to when I was putting this together. So it might take me a second, but oh, here where it says, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Like, Abraham just trusted, but I think he was able to trust because he already was secure in the fact that God knew what he was asking of Abraham and how near and dear it was to his heart. And I don't know, but that brought a lot of, this is you in my notes, but this that brought so much comfort to my heart to, to say, okay, so I can trust him because he knows. It says he bound his son and he laid him on the altar. Bond means a strong holding. Similar words are imperative, mandatory, necessary. So God asked, what is he asked of you? And that's up to us to obey. See, Abraham had to fully comply. He couldn't just put his son on the altar. Like, I think this is where I've been going wrong in this situation for myself. Like, I keep, like, laying it there, but I'm not binding anything. I'm just laying it there. And there's a difference between just laying something there and binding it. Abraham had to bind him. It was imperative, it was necessary, and it was mandatory. And I think that's why I keep picking up what I have laid before the the altar, what I have brought before the Lord. I keep picking it up because I haven't bounded it. It's not enough to just lay it. We have to bind it. And... 
there's action that is required in that. Abraham bonded his son. We have to bind our sacrifice as well. It showed God that Abraham truly feared him because he did not withhold anything from him. Can we stop withholding from God and allow him to show us that he's capable of coming through in the end? After, I love that, that, that part, he did not withhold. I don't know. This is getting me, you guys, to the core. After I got that text from my friend, I took that situation and I took action and I bonded it. I was going to say binded there, but I actually looked it up and it's a misconjunction, whatever that means. You can't say it like that. So proper English is I bonded it. And you know what's crazy is I don't know how many times I have laid this situation at the altar. Like I can't even probably count how many times I've done that. Only to pick it back up and knowing that I shouldn't pick it back up, but I do it anyways. And this time, I actually, with binding it, not just laying it, but by binding it, for the first time, I actually felt freedom. Because I'm no longer withholding that situation from God. It's His. It's all His. So, I don't know what thing or person or situation that God has maybe been asking from you for a while and you've maybe been a little bit like me and you keep laying it down and you pick it up and then you lay it down and then you pick it up and then you lay it down and you pick it up. And can I just encourage you to stop just laying it down and bind it? And do it with the confidence of knowing that God understands how close that thing, person, or situation is to you. That he understands. And walk in obedience and trust. Because we know that he understands that. Which will enable us to bind it. And that will leave us not withholding anything from him. And I think that's where we find the freedom. So stop laying it and just go bind it because that's where freedom is. <laughs>